Welcome to Face to Face, the podcast which pairs creative people with the legends who've inspired them. In this episode, musician and skateboarder Marley meets the Sex Pistols guitarist Steve Jones. Marley is from Lewisham in South London. He released his debut EP, Love You London, in 2021. Marley also appeared in Pistol, the TV series directed by Danny Boyle and adapted from Steve Jones's memoir, Lonely Boy, which told the intense story of the Sex Pistols. Steve Jones was born in 1955. In the early to mid-70s, he became involved in the countercultural scene surrounding Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood's clothing shop on London's King's Road. The Sex Pistols formed in 1975, with Jones, John Lydon, Paul Cook and bassist Glenn Matlock, who was later replaced by Sid Vicious. During their face-to-face conversation, Marley and Steve discussed Pistol, Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood's vision for punk fashion, and London's best pie shops. So Marley, how did you get involved with the Pistol TV show? Uh, well, it came about, my mate Chris was uh, working, I believe, as one of the ADs there. So he just, uh, he was just telling me for time. He was like, I'm going to be working on this film for Danny Boyle about Sex Pistols. Like, I have to get you in it somehow. You have to be seen on the screen. Like, it's like, you're like, because there's not much going on punk-wise, really, in England at the moment. So it's like, if anyone's got to be in this somehow, you're, I'm getting you in it. And I just took it as, you know, whatever. And then like one day he was like, right, next week, you we're in, you know, you got to do your fitting. So I was like, yeah, happy, bit of money, bit of a bit of an experience. So that was pretty much it. My, my boy just illegitimate put me on it wasn't like a casting call or anything he was like you're in come down and that was that was you in a bunch of scenes or just one scene i was actually in quite a few to be honest it was a i was in uh that scene the first establishing where they showed the king's road and the girls getting off the bus i'm there sitting uh up by uh, the record shop then they put me in to uh be with don letts in uh the scene where the where it's like establishing the the whole reggae movement crossover so where they introduced uh, Don Letts to the story. And then I was in the scene, I'm on the table where you first play Baddicky in the UK, I believe it is in that, that scene, yeah. Oh, that's one. So uh, you're pretty young. You sound young. <laughs> 24 years old and counting. So uh, was, you, was you aware of the Sex Pistols? I guess, luckily for me, uh, I was always, as a kid, into rock music. So I, I, I knew exactly what the Sex Pistols is and what it done for the you know the country I live in today, kind of, but I wasn't into the ins and outs. Like I guess, like you probably know than anyone. Yeah. Like on a face, on a face, like in like from the last, like my my adulthood. Anytime I heard the Sex Pistols or saw anything about it, it weren't you or any uh, anyone else getting to talk. It was always just John Lydon on some advert or something. So I didn't actually. Yeah. I like now I feel like from watching that I feel like I know more than I ever did. It was just being sold one personality, I guess. So didn't I? Knew, you know what I mean? I know the, the discography, know where it's done, but I didn't know that much in depth as actually what was going on, you know? So did you watch the whole series or did you just fast forward to your No, bits? I actually watched the whole thing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, I actually genuinely did. I, I think I binge watched it with, with, uh, with my flatmates. We just watched it all in, all after one after the other because it's one of them things It's not really like, for me, it was like a, it could have been a six-hour film and I would have still had the interest. I didn't need to be like, oh, I'll pick it up tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? It, it wasn't like a, a thing of suspense. For me, it was an educational thing. So I was just happy to take it all in at once. What did you think about it, honestly? Um, in my honest my honest opinion, I thought it was done great because the new the new age audience, I read, like, uh, take it as you will. I reckon if it, I, I saw it as it was definitely a, an approachable way of telling the story in the best way it can possibly be without upsetting the modern day like people. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's definitely things that would take, I could tell would have been moderated or whatever, but I think for the, for the new age and the new generation that wouldn't know 
what the Sex Pistols is or have anything about. I think you paint it painted it quite well, and it went into it went into a depth enough for you to actually have an understanding about it. You know, and again, Danny Boyle is a great director, a lovely guy. It was lovely to meet him on set. He's super enthusiastic. Anytime we didn't know anything, like I was only an extra, but he'd still come and be like, "Mark, you know what's going on? Like, you know, this is Don Let's. This is who this is. This is what the scene is." It was very felt very uh, welcomed, and I, so it was good. It was to me, it was just all a. Uh, an educational thing. As I said, I never heard anything about your side of things or of anyone else's side of things. It was always just like what yeah. you see or what you've heard on Good Morning Britain from John or whatever. It wasn't that, you know, so refreshing right. to actually hear from yourself, to be honest. He's very passionate, Danny, you know, and that, and this this was his time when he was, you know, he's the same age as me. So it, it meant a lot to him because that was, you know, he, he was a young punk when he was coming up. So, I mean, it was brilliant that he wanted to do it, to be honest with you. I was kind of shocked. Did you get in contact with him then with your memoirs or how did that, how does that work? He, um, there was a guy called Craig Pierce who, uh, the short, the short story of, of it is, is he, he, he wrote the uh, screenplay for it. And I think that got Danny interested in it because he was a legitimate screenwriter. And then Danny uh, sort of got involved and then, and then he just wanted to do it. What do you think about it? Like, it's a, uh, I don't know because I wasn't there. What, what do you think about it from your perspective? It's, it's your eyes that saw the truth. I think that he did a brilliant job. Um, that, um, you know, and, and a lot of people get confused. It's not a documentary, you know, it's uh, yeah. it's a show and you've got to show visit a bit, you know what I mean? Otherwise, it'd be boring if it's yeah. all, you know, timeline minute by minute everything so there is a you know there is a bit that stretched like the relationship with me and Chrissy Ein. yeah that was a bit stretched you know even she when she first saw it <laughs> she was around Cookie's house um the drummer and and she's like I can't believe I've been this fucking thing all the way through <laughs> she was like completely shocked <laughs> But then she kind of, kind of freaked her out a bit, but then she kind of gravitated to it. And then I eventually came over there for the, uh, for the, um, the big hoo-ha. Yeah. And, and we went, we went on the old uh, carpet together, you know? Nice. But, I mean, I did use, we did, we used to fuck around for sure, you know, but I used to fuck around with 10 other birds at the same time as well. But it is, it is interesting to me what a younger generation actually think about it, who, who, don't really know nothing about the story and what their take on it is. Yeah. That, that's, I, find that, I, found, I find that interesting. Um, you know, the, the older people like me, you know, they're fucking tearing it apart. Well, this didn't happen then, then this didn't yeah. fucking that, you know, they're looking at it as a, like a documentary. Yeah. And ob obviously, uh, young, I mean, punks who grew up with it at the time they take it personally yeah. because it was their time yeah i get you so they can't, they can't just see it for what it is so what you're born in west there yeah? you're from shepherd's bush yeah shepherd's bush hammersmith yeah how long did you live there for when i was born i lived with my mum my nan my mum's sister and her two brothers um and i lived in hammersmith right by the fly over there yeah in some flats till I was about six or seven. Yeah. And, 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 and my nan was very nurturing. Yeah. She was great, you know, and then my real dad fucked off at an early age. Like really, I don't even remember him, but then, then I guess it was time 
my mum got this other bloke uh, as a boyfriend, and 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 then we moved to a uh, Shepherd's Bush in a, in a basement off of a uh, Bembo Road. Okay, got off a of Goldhawk Road, and yeah. it was it was fucking horrible. It all went horribly wrong from there on. Yeah. Yeah, I basically grew up in that around that area. Yeah, what do you think of it still today when you do come back to England? I guess in your time, the Kings Road and that's like the thriving, the thriving heart of like the whole change and movement. Like, must be a bit different when you come back now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually go down Kings Road when I came back there. I was staying up. I was staying up the West End, but I did. I did. I'm obsessed with pie and mash. Yeah, same. Okay. tell me about it. I'm I'm obsessed with pie and mash as well, to be honest. So I would literally walk from, I was staying at this flash hotel called Claridge's. Yeah, I know, Claridge's. Mayfair. Mayfair, yeah. yeah. And I would literally walk from there to Tower Bridge to Manzies. All the way to Manzies? <laughs> yeah, on the other side of, of, the, of, of, of the river there. Yeah, so what, so you came to South to get a pie of mash? Bermondsey, Bermondsey. Yes, yeah, yeah, Manzies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I went there like I was there for like a week or so. I went there like four times. Yeah. And fucking brilliant. Right. Where, it's a where's good your favorite pie and mash up in London? Well, I think I think that is it. Yeah. But I think we should talk about pie and mash for the next 40 minutes. Yeah. It's way more I think interesting. We should come back home to England and we'll actually get a pie and mash. <laughs> <laughs> if if I do, if I do, I'll I'll definitely reach out. <laughs> So, Steve, tell me more about Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood in the shop sex back in the day. Well, I used to go down King's Road at a very early age, like 15, 16. It was like the place just to, to go and, and, and to look and to be looked at. And, uh, you know, at the time, it was very stuffy down there. There was the, all these poncy shops where you'd wear, like, suits with flares and kipper ties and all that. And you went in these places and uh, they just wanted you out of there, you know, because, well, especially me, because I was, I was basically just going in these places to Nick, you know. But when I got to, uh, there was like three really cool shops. There was Alcajuras, there was Granny Takes a Trip, and then, then, and then there was Malcolm's Shop, which changed names. It was Let It Rock. It was also called Too Fast to Live, Too Young to Die. Um, and then it became uh, Sex. But when I when I first went in there, I think it was Let It Rock when he was basically selling Teddy Boy clothes. He he was he was dressed up as a Teddy Boy. Vivian was kind of similar, and they had the jukebox in there and a little couch. And it was a perfect place to hang out. You know, it was like, I, I call it the hate Ashbury of punk. Like, obviously, there's the sex shop, but is there anything else that you say really helped put the staple on what the image was? Or is it just like, as perceived in the media, that it's all Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren? Was there anyone else that you'd say designers that went understated? Not really. I think I think the bulk of it was definitely um, Malcolm and Vivian. When I, you know, my first stuff... That I got out there were like drainpipe uh, trousers and and brothel creep. Yeah, you know this was this was before the punk thing started. This was, but it was still a weird place. It was still like for weirdos, you know, and an old Ted. Yeah, who would go down there on the Saturday, and uh, but but it also it was a magnet for other people like John, Sid 
whoever else, whoever was kind of around at the time. So that was the introduction for everyone. It was the place to be, you know. Well, interesting. I just like off the back of that, yeah, I remember Sid Vicious, was Sid Vicious from Lewisham originally, yeah? I'm not sure where he's from, to be honest. I think he's from, I remember reading that he's actually from Lewisham originally. I just find it funny, like I'm from Lewisham. You won't catch me on the King's Road. Yeah, yeah. Must have been really something there. <laughs> when I first saw Sid, I was on the other side of the street, and he was he was like marching down the street with a pair of jeans, pair of white brothel creepers, and uh, like a mohair sweater, and his hair was black, and it wasn't spiking. He had these like really tiny little sunglasses on it, and you see this guy, you're like, who is that guy, man? He's, he's, yeah, he looks like someone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he stood out a mile. And, and yeah. you know, cut to a couple of years later, and then he's, he's in the band. What's punk like in 2022? I guess it's... Uh... I don't know. Again, like, I, again, it's it's really troublesome because, like, I just, I want to change the fact that, like, I want to split a division between all these all these people from Sussex that want to claim they're some punk rock thing. And it's like, you like, sorry or whatever. Do you know what I mean? You're not really, like, what? Like, you, you've come out of university and then you want to be called punk rock. It's not. It's like, we need to just develop what is directly has a meaning behind it and what and filter out the people that are just jumping on a sound dialing in a guitar tone banging two chords together screaming at a microphone and going yeah I'm a punk rock musician that's all I would change I just think it's diluted a lot you know I don't think the meaning of it's the same and if, if the meaning could come back it would be pretty cool but um, I'm not I'm not putting my uh, my heart invested into it I'm into the future like kind of like what you're saying Steve I'm even though I'm at the forefront of it right now my heart's in the future I couldn't really give a toss about what's happened in the past that's you know, that's that's your time. I can only think about what's to come after me. Yeah. And I, I truly just think in respect of the in respect of everything that everyone did before me, I would like to see some, you know, some honesty. It's like a, just between all the people that jump on the bandwagon and go, yeah, I'm this punk rock band. It's like, mate, like you you just done four years at Oxford or whatever. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. punk rock band. Is it really like, you know, like is it not not that education defines whether you're whether you're punk rock or not, but you know what I mean? There's just a fine difference between what the real deal is of what people would say the real deal is. And like just a load of people just banging together a sound and going, yeah, I'm punk rock musician. Yeah, great. Like it's like, do you actually have anything to say? What what does your music say? You know? Yeah. Well, originally it was it was very working class thing, punk, you know, it was all street, streety working class a lot of it um but it's uh, i mean uh, let me ask you something do you enjoy playing do you enjoy doing what you're doing i love doing what i'm doing personally yeah i'd say because before i was doing i was doing rap music and I, I loved that as well but it just didn't have the it didn't have the outlet and the amount of creativity i have of control of the music i'm doing now yeah. whereas before it was kind of like i don't know it does to a degree actually that's unfair to say because uh, i can produce i can produce like a on um, like on software and stuff, so I did have control of the beats necessarily, but it just didn't feel like I had the option to say as much as I can say over over like rock music in that aspect. So I do enjoy what I'm doing because I feel like I can say more. I'm not relied on like selling like some one big like fake party, sell a song and make it you know really exciting. I can kind of be a bit more uh, open about my actual emotion and like what like, my vulnerabilities and like get that across to an audience that's like 
going to be like grateful for that rather than like, oh, this guy, this guy's soft. This guy, this guy can't, you know, this guy's not hard. This guy's not cool. You know, it's a, it definitely opened that for me. So I, I would say I'm happy where I am because I've been in a musical situation where I'm not as happy as I am. So I'm grateful for where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as long as you enjoyed it, who, who cares what other people think of you? Yeah, exactly. So in general, like uh, everybody must ask you about like the Sex Pistols, but tell me yourself, like what in your own career, because I know you've played with other musicians and stuff, like just to give it a breather, like what is your favourite experience in music yourself, like outside of, outside of that? Anyone you worked with in particular, any records that you've, uh, you know, that stood out to you? Um, well, I definitely enjoyed, I did a couple of albums with Iggy Pop. I wrote, wrote a few songs and played on, on a couple of albums. That that was great. I really rate Iggy as a as a songwriter, a lyricist, and a performer. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. I did a song in the studio with Bob Dylan. That was kind of bizarre. He told me to put a band if I could put a band together in Los Angeles, and it was kind of a, a weird way of recording. So I got Paul Simonon from the Clash. He he was in LA at the time, and. Uh, drummer from a band called Pat Benatard and some other bloke and we and he showed up with a load of piece of paper and we're kind of in there ready to go and he's like and he started strumming this song I don't know what he was he was like mumbling and we kind of follow along and we did that for like about five hours and finally we got a groove on some song he was doing and that actually ended up on, on one of his records it was interesting interesting cat for sure yeah, so what, do you still play, you still practice guitar? You play guitar? Is it something that brings you joy or you just play it when you have to? What's that? No, I still, I, you know, I, I play acoustic a lot at home, just fiddle around. Um, I'm always, always doing that. I'm, I'm, I, I never learned to be a better guitar player. Them days are long gone. What punk rock probably was in your generation, today I feel like it's some half-hearted representation, you know? It's like, oh yeah, I'm going by the outfit, but I'm not really... Not really, actually, do you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't really, I, I find it hard to look at someone like yourself, Steve, or to talk to yourself and say, yeah, punk rock today is what it is. Because it's like, you probably look at it like it's half a laugh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not really yeah. the same thing. So I, I almost think like, sometimes I think to myself when people were referencing me as punk, I'm like, I almost wish that the journalists can come up with a new name for the new era. Because to me, it's like, it's almost disrespect, not disrespect, but it's like, you lot did, you lot put your pretty much your freedom on the line blatantly you know like your own comfortability whether it's because of your manager's choice or whatever on the line so like us lot it's just like there's nothing they want you to be a punk rock guy and they want you to go on tiktok and do all of that that's not very it doesn't seem very punk rock to me so i find it hard you know well, originally it was a lot different than it is now i mean everything's acceptable now there's no shock or anything but back in the day it was kind of scary as well you know um, you had people who really didn't like you. It was new, you know, and, but that's what make that's what makes it why we're still talking about it today because it was revolutionary at that time. Prior to that, it was all long-haired hippie bands, you know, and it needed a kick up the ass and, and it, timing was perfect. But now it, you, you're just, it's just enough, you, you know, you or whoever – Green Day, whoever. It's just another band who's coming along and getting in on it. You know what I mean? But, you, you know, yeah, whatever, whatever. If, but if, I mean, there's all forms of music. It doesn't have to be punk. It's, it's, it's kind of your attitude, you know, more than anything. 
And and if you're saying something, or you're just saying something to be liked, uh, it's it's a it's a different world today. You can't really compare it to back in the mid seventies. No, definitely not. That's how I feel about it anyway. I find it almost like a joke sometimes. And they're like, yeah, and so you're punk rock. It's like I am, but am I really like by by genre default? By do you know what I mean? By guitar tone, like some people know, but what is it? I just, yeah, that's how I truly feel about it. Honestly, I'm waiting for the day that the journalists figure out a new name for what's going on right now and stop de- diluting the hard work that you lot all done. Yeah, well, that's funny because it was a journalist who actually came up with the name originally. Uh, and it was this woman called Caroline Kuhn. I think she came up with the, the word punk and, that, and it kind of stuck. We, we, didn't, we didn't come up with it. The pistol was the word. And yeah, yeah. I mean... So what? Why you live in America? Why America? Well, after the Pistols, me and Cookie had a band called The Professionals. I, I wasn't really interested in it. I just wanted to check out and, and shoot dope, basically. Yeah. And I was in a dark, dark place for a couple of years. And I just knew, you know, it, it was just like, you know, basements, damp, gringy, yeah. fucking Dickensian kind of existence. And... We, we, we actually got it together and, and toured the US and I just went along with it. I, I wasn't, you know, even though we wrote a bunch of songs, I wasn't into it. I just wanted to do drugs and, and check out. And anyway, we ended up in New York and I said to the guys, I'm not going back to London. I'll see you later. And I, and I stayed in New York. I sold my passport. I, I started shooting dope in Alphabet City and... You know, what was I, 24, I think, at the time? Your age. And um, yeah. I was a mess, though. I had no money. I was literally just surviving like like a street urchin, you know. Um, and it, it was, I was, it was, uh, I, I, I don't regret it because it got me to a place where a couple of years later, I actually got clean and sober, you know. And I think that, that pounding of, of, Messing about in New York was uh, <clears throat> all, all part of my journey, but we I drifted yeah. out to LA with this other band that kind of was this freak thing. We did this showcase in New York, and it was good. We got a bunch of dough. People used to pay you back then to do showcases, and uh, we did that, and everyone was like, oh, that was great. Let's start another band. So it was based in LA, and so I, I came out there. I lived with the bass player for a bit. And I, I was so didn't know what was going on. But then I realized how much I liked L.A. It was like another world. It was sunny. It was big. It was yeah. people were healthy. And it was it was um, it was subliminal for me to to uh, for to get my act together you know and, and I fucked yeah. around in LA for a couple of years before I you know really got sober and I've been sober for years now but um yeah how's that it's great you know I'm 66 years old I've been sober 31 years and and uh everything you know when I got sober everything turned around you know it took a long time I didn't just get sober and everything was great I had to work on myself yeah. a lot. I had to do a lot of therapy, and I'm still, I still, I still do it. You know, I still work on myself. And uh, but it's, it's like I, 
I have two lives, you know. I have pre-sobriety and then after sobriety. That's how I look at it, you know. But yeah. as far as LA goes, uh, I, I I loved it when I first came here. Yeah. So what what do you do? You go down to the beach and get a matcha latte. What's your day? What's your average day comprised of? Well, what now you mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I just. Uh, <laughs> I got, I got, I got a gaff in Beverly Hills. I got a couple of really close friends who live out in Malibu, and I'm always out there. And um, I just take it easy, man. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm nice. grateful enough where I don't have to, you know, have a day job, and uh, I'm quite content with not having too much, but not having too less either. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and that makes that makes sense when you come from, you know what you come from is you're just happy with what you got yeah that makes exactly a lot of sense can you ever imagine the Sex Pistols reforming I mean John lives here too he's been living here pretty much as long as I have we never speak to each other we never see each other I, I don't know I mean physically I, I don't know if if he can do it or I could do it to be honest with you playing playing them songs for a, an hour and what hour and a half I don't know I guess it all depends how much Wong is involved I get you I'm only 24 and even sometimes I'm like fucking hell I have to do this for 60 minutes yeah. it's going to be tough but you got to get your fitness in check you know <laughs> for sure for sure the last time we played was in 2008 we did about 30 shows in Europe and that kind of kicked my ass a little bit but I don't know I, I don't personally really want to play with the pistols anymore but you never know man you know things happen weird things happen and, and things can change This podcast was produced with Front Ear Podcasts. It was edited by Nathan Copeland and the music was created by David Cantello. Be sure to visit thefacecom for a daily dose of pop culture coverage. Hold up. 